0: Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, folks, we've all faced obstacles as business leaders,
1: but how do we overcome them is what elevates us from good to great. Our guest today has done more than just talk about overcoming obstacles, he has done it. Mark Patterson is the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Sports Illustrated, but you might know him from his days in the gridiron, or most recently from the premiere of his documentary, Searching for the Summit, produced by NFL 360. Mark will be teaching us the lessons he learned throughout his journey about overcoming obstacles and becoming a champion. Guest hosting this episode is Trisha Ben, Chief Community Officer for the C-Suite Network. Thank you so much. Love to be here.
2: So thrilled to have you here on All Business. There are so many things I want to talk to you about. And you know, I listen to your podcast. I watch the documentary. I, I'm a former athlete. I was one once uh, a long time ago. And so I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. You can't listen to anything you say or any of the documentary without looking at the parallels of your athletic pursuit and business leadership. Every word fits in both scenarios. And it's just so incredible to listen to you share those insights. So I'd love for you just to share with everyone here how did you transition your training, your experience, your learnings from your life as an athlete into your life as a an entrepreneur, an executive, and certainly all the other amazing feats that you've achieved in getting to the top of those seven summits.
1: Yeah, I think you know the one common denominator that runs through all this is the things I learned. Many of the things I learned from my coaches. You know, when I first came to the University of Washington is was where I, I was recruited and played for what would later become a Hall of Fame coach, Don James, who went to multiple Rose Bowls, Loha Bowls, Orange Bowls, and then went on into the NFL. And one of the things that I really didn't understand, I didn't get when I was I was growing up because I was athletically more or less better than everybody else. I was just a faster kid. And back in those days, you know, people didn't train like they train today. And so when I came as a freshman, I was standing out there on the first day in August, and and you know I'm the new guy, and I'm looking out, and and the Huskies had already gone to the Rose Bowl, and there's big and strong and physical and determined guys out there. And I looked, and I was just like, "That is not me. I, I don't have the body. I don't have the mindset. I don't were, have the." F-. You were
2: 178 pounds, right? Is that? Yeah, I was,
1: yeah, it was basically, uh, yeah, 181 pounds. I was 6'2", I couldn't bench my weight, and right. so, so, so what I what I learned because I was failing, I couldn't compete, I couldn't do it, and what I learned is this thing that John Wooden had had developed called the Pyramid of Success, and it's really had a the same blueprint for me in terms of my success through athletics, through mountaineering and through business. And every single time I've taken this same approach. So what Don James did is he borrowed that pyramid of success and he made it his own. So back in the day, it was getting bigger, it was getting stronger. It was getting faster. And ultimately with that goal of getting to the Rose bowl and ultimately the the national championship. In my case, as I had to go through that, it's really understanding those different 25 individual team and self building blocks that you have to go up to, to ultimately the very top wrong is called competitive greatness. So not everybody's going to be Michael Jordan, but you got to have and put yourself in a position where you're going to be out there and, and you can succeed at the highest level that you can actually do. When you break down competitive greatness, what that really means is that you love the process because you're going to go through hell. We all stumble through business, right? Through these different mountains, I was pushed back a couple different times. I had to redo Denali twice, 100 minus 80 degrees. I was caught in a storm up there, I had to find my way off. Almost didn't make it on Mount Everest. These different business ventures I've been in, you know, there's been highs and low. Um, I started a, a gaming company many years ago. And, you know, we thought we were on the verge of death multiple times and we were able to like see it through by hanging in there and having that grit and determination. But it all falls back again that you have to uh, live by those principles, for me at least, and do it day by day to actually achieve what you're what you're going after.
2: Now, you interviewed a gentleman who's the oldest person to get to the top of Everest, right? 75 years old, he was one of your climbing group, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you said going after that big-ass goal is all about living that process, getting up every single day. And I love that, that focus, that determination. We're very mission-driven here. And I know that mission has been just a central tenant for you. I'd love for you to share, what is that mission that drives you to get up every single day and achieve your goals.
1: Well, I think the first thing, I mean, to me, there's there's three things, and you and I talked about this a little bit before we went live here, and that my three t- takeaways are number one, you have to step into the fear, and the fear, like for for me, when I went after man Everest since last year, you know, I live in some Valley, Idaho. I live at six thousand feet. I live a hundred yards away from the base of the mountain, and so there's something called skinning. So that is putting the sandpaper type material on the bottom of your skis, and this happens like at six p.m., so it's pitch black, and you walk up the mountain. And you get to the very top, which is three thousand feet three thousand foot uh, vertical, and you rip off these skins and then you ski down in the pitch black and so I put on one hundred and fifty thousand vertical feet last January, February, and March. I can tell you it 's not fun you know to go and put yourself through that, but I had to step into the fear of like what's out there and you get cold, and you know not every night is a perfect night and then number number two is I have to do each one of these things with daily discipline, so again, whether I go back. And let's apply it to mountain climbing, the daily discipline that I almost died on summit day. And that's a whole nother story, but I almost died on summit day. And if I hadn't had the daily discipline of putting all those chits in the bank to actually store those so that when I got into trouble, I was able to tap back in to all those miles and miles and miles and vertical feet that I put in to put me there. I think that the the big differential on this last one and which makes the difference between a New Year's resolution and something of a lifelong commitment is that word commit. So stepping into the fear, do a daily discipline and not falling off the whether it's a diet or something else that, you know, it's just, it's hard to stay the course. But if you know that, again, you go back to competitive greatness and you understand about the blueprint and there's 25 individual and team things that you do, your why of getting there and the ultimate prize sits out there. And that's, you know, to me, what keeps me driving because a lot of these things I'm still challenged by going after these different big goals that I either haven't got to or I have to redefine them what those goals are going to be. C-suite radio.
2: Now you also talk about balance. And I think what's really astounding about the documentary and certainly how you interview is looking at the balance of people's lives. And you'll definitely want to check out Mark's podcast, Finding Your Summit podcast is what it's called. And I love the, the tagline is stories with ordinary people accomplishing extraordinary things. I'm curious to know more about what drives you to that success every day, that drive every day, but then also how you're giving back, how you're creating impact with your success and making those connections.
1: Well, you know, look, 10 years ago, it was, I'll give a little backdrop here. 10 years ago, I was going through a difficult time. And and I realized at the end of the day, we all go through difficult times. But it was relevant to me of, of trying to pull myself out. I was going through a divorce. My dad died of a massive stroke. And it was not a fun time. And so at the end of the day, I, I was in this place for a couple of years and I don't do well being stuck in quicksand. And so what I, what I really need to do is put such a massive goal out there. It was so extraordinary that it was going to drive me. And again, I wasn't looking at the goal. I mean, I said, I want to try to become the first NFL player to climb the seven summits. But to me, that was pretty overwhelming because it's such a big task to take. Mm-hmm. It was really, what do I have to do as step one? Much like metaphorically speaking of climbing up the mountain, just taking one step at a time and not looking at the top because it's really intimidating and mm-hmm. it's just super scary. I can tell you that. Avalanche is coming down every day. But in terms of the goal at the time was, was like, how do you start this? How do you do this? Who do you turn to? Mm-hmm. Um, which mountain do you start? When you do start that journey, like, what do you need? What is the gear? What's the fuel? What's the hydration? You know, right. what's it going to be like? How long are you going to be there? There's all these different questions. And again, I, I'll tie this back to business because we're at C-suite here. It's no different. That um, I think in the introduction, Greg had, had mentioned that we, the, the company I helped start called Maven. We've now taken over Sports Illustrated, and we've run that. And you know, when we first got there, we were ranked number twelve in the in the rankings amongst all the. All the other sports verticals are out there. ESPN is number one, and now we're, we're number six, and we'll be at number five at the end of the year. And so, you know, that was pretty daunting at the time. Like, how do you get there? And step by step by step, just like mountain climbing, and how I actually achieve these different things.
2: And the right people by your side. Okay, so there are a couple things. So, the right people by your side. I was struck by the the group interview you did with some of your climbing group, and you said you got stuck with the girl who was supposed to not be the one to be partnered with. And she ended up being the jewel. And I thought, what a great metaphor for the whole notion of we get put in these teams in in work scenarios, even when we're the owner, (laughs) We're, we're put in scenarios of different teams and making them work. And I'd love to hear your perspectives through all of your experience in terms of those assumptions where, you know, this person might not be the right person and they tend that they end up being the best person or the other way around. And and how do you play to people's strengths in, in delivering on the mission that you set out to achieve?
1: Well, that's a great question. The girl that you're talking about is a gal named Koki. I first met her on Denali up in Alaska. It's a brutal mountain for many reasons. And so there was four of us standing around in a circle, like who's going to get the one girl. And I had lost the straw at the time. So I thought I was like double jeopardy. And it turned out that, as you said, I got like the magic diamond and she was strong. She was confident. She was just really magic on that trip and really powerful. And, and we really helped each other out a lot because we were tethered together the entire time on a rope. And then I invited her to go to Mount Everest with me and she came and again, she was really my lifeline in many different ways. And so I guess the story, the moral of the story is, you know, you can't always judge a book by its cover and mm-hmm. you just never know who's going to be that person who's going to step up. You have to go through the trials and tribulations and see what their talents and skill sets are. And they have to have that magic, um, the drive, the other things that align with what you're trying to do to make those mm-hmm. things work. But, you know, she's just been a godsend and, and really blessed to have been, you know, have climbed her. And again, I don't think I would have successfully climbed Everest if she hadn't been in that group, emotional support and many other things.
2: Incredible. You know, that whole sense of the international community of climbing is, again, very similar to the notion of that international community in business. And I'm curious what your thoughts are in experiencing both of those aspects of uh, in your life, where you think there are benefits and strengths that can be taken from each to the other.
1: I'll apply it, first of all, to to Maven. So we started this company, a technology company, five years ago. We had no software. We had nothing. I was out there trying to pitch all this. There's 18 of us. And today, there's over 350 employees. And I don't know half the employees. But what I have learned, and I'll apply this to Mountaineering as well, is that they have brought in so many people that, you know, somebody that was at an engineer that was at Amazon or, or somebody in marketing that was at Facebook and, you know, all this amazing talent. And so I've continued my learning journey in terms of how do we get bigger and bigger and bigger, more powerful and more efficient and provide a service to all these different companies that we power and fuel and run like the street or Sports Illustrated and mountaineering. It's the same deal. I mean, these people have been all over the world. They've they've come from these different pockets. We had somebody from Canada and somebody from Norway, somebody from Russia, um, many from the United States. And so, I don't think there's anybody from one city, common city. Everybody can. Mm-hmm. And then and then you get into these different cultures, right? And mm-hmm. for me, it's been. Just really eye-opening in terms of what you're appreciative of and grateful for. Some of the people, like when I was down in the Serengeti, when I climbed um, uh, Kilimanjaro, I've climbed it actually twice. The second time I was down there, I went into Serengeti and I was in these different villages with the people in the Maasai tribe. And we built a uh, water well for them and put it in. And they were the most grateful people. All it was is, you know, a place where they could go turn, you know, a knob. And so Mm -hmm. meeting those people that have so little, but their happiness factor is off the charts. In Nepal, I think the average wages for these people over there, the Sherpa are around $6,000 per year. Think about that. And yet they are so grateful. They're so happy for your success. They get around you, they dance, they celebrate. It's truly remarkable. So when you start saying like, I wish I was more like this or that, or you had more this or that. It's just like if you can just take a time out and 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 count your blessings on what we actually do have here in the States and I was so blessed by just engaging with other people and learning from them.
2: So you know, Mark, I'm Canadian born. I have to ask you, did the Nova Scotian make it up?
1: He did, Kevin. Okay. He did.
2: <laughs> Kevin yeah. made it.
1: Okay. <laughs> Kevin made it. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a dentist. Yeah.
2: There we go. That's yeah. fantastic. It's I mean, there's several books and movies in here too, I think. So, just building on that notion of of how challenging things can be in life, and it's life, it's our business life, and all of the missions that we choose to be on. But you faced, and I didn't really appreciate. People talk about climbing mountains, and you you just kind of think, "Oh, okay, well, it's done." But you really bring that journey of. Just how much commitment, pain, sacrifice is made to be able to achieve that. It's incredible. And what, 10 of the 21 that set out in your group actually made it to the top of Everest?
1: Actually, 10 of the 24. Yeah.
2: 10 of 24. I mean.
1: Yeah. And and, and on top of that, uh, there's 400 climbers up there and only 120 of us made it. So it's, it's not a big number who actually breaks through. And, you know, we encountered a cyclone that we got into, I hadn't eaten in three days. I got snow blind on some day. My, I ran out of oxygen. I mean, all these things happen. And, and, you know, again, that's where you really have to dig down. And the, and the, the one thing that I think where you were going about hard things is, is I think that the, the one thing about, about understanding about life and it's, it's not for everybody, but hard things are hard. You know, that's that's just the bottom line. The hard things are hard. And if you want to achieve greatness, and I'm not saying I was the, you know, the greatest NFL player, because I wasn't, I was just a guy that happened to make it. And I'm not the greatest mountaineer in the world. But if you want to set yourself up for success in business, in life and other things, you have to really work at it and be committed to that process.
2: C-Suite Radio. So Mark, you also talk about balance. And I think this is so challenging for all of us that feel, you know, we want to deliver to our greatness, right? Mm -hmm. You've made that very clear. It's not about somebody else. It's about what is the greatness we have within us and where we set our sights on. So how do you also balance (laughs) life Uh, when, you know, not eating three days, that's not a normal person's definition of balance, right? So how do you, use that concept in your life? How how does that fit?
1: Well, I think what I found over time is that I'm constantly out of balance and trying to get myself in balance. And I think everybody would say probably the same thing, because if you try to like incorporate the work life play and you have those consistent, and then all of a sudden a big project comes in front of you or something, you know, then that just it, it puts you out of balance again because now you have to go and spend all that amount of time. Mount Everest I was probably imbalanced just because I was so driven by the fact that I, I didn't want to end up as another statistic on top of that mountain that you know drove me in, in that way now I've come back and I'm still working out twice a day because that's what I do but you know it's not at the same level that I was doing when I was preparing for Mount Everest but I think it's it's constantly this check with yourself to make sure that your relationships are in play and that your work is in play and that the things that you like to do are in play and, you know, certainly families in there as well. But I think, you know, we're constantly being in and out of that balance. You know, I don't think there's ever one spot where you're balanced and that's all you do is balance. Right. Especially right. people who are trying to achieve different things.
2: Yeah. Maybe we appreciate it more when we have the unbalance to get back <laughs> to balance. I don't know, but you raise a great point, you know, in terms of family as well the documentary shows so beautifully your mission driven approach to all of the pain that that your daughter has experienced in having epilepsy and yeah. amelia's everest you know it could you share a little bit about that and how that's fueled you mark it's beautiful the way that that was captured in the documentary
1: yeah so you actually asked this question about 10 minutes ago and i didn't really answer it but here it is i think all these pieces are connected because you know let's go back 10 years ago when i was going through that tough tough time and Mm -hmm. I was having a rough journey. And all I needed to do is get my own healing. Like that was the only thing that mattered. And so for me, through the mountains, through the trees, through the flowers, through the birds chirping, being in all that solitude of climbing these different mountains around the world, it helped me like recenter and get my life back, you know, the way um, that happened. And then about four years ago, I was invited to go on this climb down to Tanzania again, climb uh, Kilimanjaro. Chris Long, who's the son of Howie Long, played in the NFL for ten years, All Pro, great player, great guy, and he started this foundation called Water Boys, and essentially it's it's raising money to build water wells for the people of East Africa. And so we, a group of NFL players and some military people, went down to again the Serengeti. We visited some of these different villages, and that really got my mind thinking about like giving back and seeing how happy and just. How grateful these people were for what we did, as simple as just creating a water well in the ground. You know, and they could have dry water. So mostly the girls wouldn't have to walk five miles with a bucket, five gallon uh, bucket on their head to fill. And they, along the way, they get attacked by these tigers and lions, and and get raped and just awful stuff. And so I worked through that campaign for a couple of years after we raised quite a bit of money, and then meanwhile, this whole time. Daughter Amelia's had epilepsy since she was eight. She's 23 now. And uh, she got really mission critical a couple of years ago. I flew down to the University of Tucson and University of Arizona in Tucson. And when I was down there, I just started thinking about, like, you know, I'm putting all this energy in the water boys and, you know, trying to give water to people in East Africa is amazing, but I need to help my daughter. And so that really set me on this journey of trying to help. I just created this campaign called Amelia's Everest. They did capture it in the film, Searching for the Summit. And it's been amazing. And so I've raised a lot of money. You know, The NFL has thrown in some money and many uh, generous people around town. The, the Raiders threw in money um, as well to support this cause. And it, it's gone towards this organization here, this nonprofit here in some valley called Higher Ground. And they've got just an amazing mission. And um, And so I've got really involved with that. And one of the, the beautiful things, too, in addition to um, having a couple of fundraisers, is we have now thrown two premieres with this movie searching for the summit that the NFL did. We've sold out both shows. And one was in Seattle on an Island called Bainbridge Island. The other one was here in Sun Valley and we've had some wonderful people come in and be panel guests, but having something going back to my original goal, have that strong, why going after a big, massive seven, it took me basically 10 years to do seven mountains. Right. So it was not just like, again, stepping into fear, daily discipline and commit. Right. I was committed to the very end. And, and now what's happening is the blessing of the NFL coming to me saying we want to do this film, them coming up with this concept of how they want to spin the story of that movie with me on Mount Everest. And now I'm be, I'm able to give back. And not only try to help my daughter get healed, but help many others and create awareness for all these people that are coming to to the film and not just seeing that film, but we also do a five-minute piece on higher ground and what their mission is all about.
2: Incredible. So now you mentioned in the success that you've had with Sports Illustrated all the way up to number six, now five. The one thing that's really critical and is not individualistic about what you've accomplished is there are teams that are delivering on this. And you came from a team sport. And I think there's a different mentality to how do you create success as a team? It's not about one star or a couple of stars. It's that whole team effort. If you could share, what was that process? I know you have your pyramid, (laughs) but what is the process that you've gone through to really mobilize Those whole teams, you know, team initially and then teams as you spread out into that 350 person company?
1: Well, there's no question. You know, I mean, I would start with mountaineering. You know, there's no way I can climb Mount Everest without Sherpas, right? And we have 35 Sherpas helping support us in that effort. And then, you know, you just don't show up at Mount Everest and go climb it. You have to have a mountain guide that teaches you what to do when we're going, that's watching the weather. Um, helping you through the Kumba Icefall, all these different things, and so you really are reliant upon, you know, the food that's being delivered every single day. Um, and you're, you're. I mean, I can't imagine even. I, I think it's impossible that if you were just a, you know, weekend camper and trying to go climb Mount Everest, you couldn't do it because you need such a huge support to make that happen. With Sports Illustrated, again, we started with 18 people, and we've grown to over 350 in just five, you know, short years. And there's just like, I know what my core strengths are, but I'm not a coder, right? I'm not an engineer. And so we've been able to bring in these different people. And so it's been really fascinating to be involved in this process of bringing people in with different skill sets to help elevate the overall product with having a top-line goal of where we're trying to go as a company, which our CEO has outlined. And so... You know, net net, um, just like my football days back in the day, I was a wide receiver. You need your quarterback, you need your your lineman, you need, you know, all parts of the game, you know, to come together and win the championship and go to the Super Bowl and do the best that you can. There's no I.N. team. And certainly that's the case in my the things that I've been able to do.